This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago and beyond, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome mat. This is episode 637, and Cecil... We are joined by an incredibly special guest. Yeah. We are joined by the ghost of John McAfee, <laughs> live, guys, from hell or the depths of a Spanish Amazing. prison. Amazing. Outstanding. <laughs> uh, who would have thought we would get such a guest? Think of the barriers we're breaking right now with this episode. Exactly. Cecil. Exactly. We're going to have to rewrite the Skeptics' Creed. It's a whole fucking thing. All right. It's actually David McAfee. Yeah. David, thank you for not being a dead creep in a bottom of a Spanish prison. We really appreciate that the most about you. Also, thank you for coming on our show. Thank you guys for having me and uh, no promises on whether or not I'm a dead creep, but I'm not John. (laughs) (laughs) David, if people, so uh, so you're an author, we're going to talk about your books, but but you have an interesting background and a backstory. So we'd like to just start with who are you, David? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, uh, I'm a lot of things. <laughs> no, I, I'm a religious studies graduate, and uh, the unique thing about about me being a religious studies graduate is that I grew up in a in a family of religious people, and that I myself am an atheist. And uh, I was raised in a conservative Christian household with my grandparents being biblical uh, biblical fundamentalists, who uh, they literally believe every single word of the Bible, uh, including, well, because you know, it's true. Bible. Yeah. Because yeah, of, it's, well, of the inherent truthiness of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Truthiness. Yeah. Uh, I even asked my grandma, like you, you believe that, uh, you know, that women should be subservient then. And she's like, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well I can't really get through to you then. Okay. But uh, hold on with that one. Can't you as the man, then challenge her on that subject. Then she has to acquiesce and she's <laughs> fucked. She's fucked right then. Like, what are you going to do? She's in a bind. How is she going to get out of that one? The problem was, Boom, my I drop. was a little boy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and the hus- her husband commanded that she did believe in that. Oh. Uh, they were both biblical uh, f- fundamentalists, and it wasn't it wasn't until I was about thirteen that I realized how seriously people took religion. I, I really thought of it as more as like a daycare type of situation where I went and got candy and sang songs and learned pretty stories. And yeah, uh, when my gra- when my grandparents threatened me with hell for not going to church one time, that's when it kind of took me in the other direction, uh, and I started going to church more often. Like you guys really believe all of this, and and I 
went to various other religions and uh, ended up majoring in it in college. So you you mentioned your grandparents were biblical fundamentalists. Were your parents biblical fundamentalists as well as your grandparents? You know, I like to say that my parents were more religious about their drug use. They, they weren't really, uh, they were Christians. If you, if you pressed them on the subject, they would say that they were Christians. But uh, in reality, they were more focused on doing meth together and all kinds of stuff. And I, I was largely left to my grandparents to, to be to you're, so you're of, raised uh, by your grandparents. Okay. In a lesser, lot of ways. Yeah. You know, lesser two evils years. in this case, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then my, my dad would go on to become a Mormon, uh, and then subsequently leave the Mormon faith. And my mom was previously a Jehovah's witness. And now she is an atheist humanist. Uh, I also have a, Former flat earther in my family, so it's uh, Thanksgiving. Well, former. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've, I I wrote down questions about what you had said before, and I care about those, but I have to come. I have to right now. A former flat earther. So you my now there. Are, so now they're a round earther or a, a sphere earther, S- a an obloid. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. So they've come back around, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, oh come on, that yeah, was good. Back, back around. <laughs> This is the right. only reason I want to even right. pause and I'll, make that joke. I'll Will give you, you a allow latitude to make that joke. <laughs> I, I like it. Yeah, no. she, uh, she was getting influenced by, uh, by an ex of hers who was a flat earther, and, and she took on those beliefs. And when they broke up, she called me, and she was like, I'm not, I, I don't believe that anymore. I was being stupid. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, if only, you know what? If only more people could do something like that, right. right? There's flat earth conventions. If only a few of them would walk away and say, nah, I'm, I, I, I don't know what the fuck I was saying. Right. I, I, like, I don't know. If people would just be like, look, I was only in it for the good dick, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, that's it. As soon as that's gone, I'm out of this thing. I'm out. As soon as you're out, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so you, you became a religious studies major. Is that, mm-hmm. did you become a religious studies major while you were still at least nominally religious? Or did you become a religious studies major because, tell me about that. Tell me about what drove you to become a religious studies major. I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. I I was definitely an atheist at the time, but I wasn't uh, a member. You know, I had never even, I had never heard of Richard Dawkins. I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't actively consider myself an atheist or talk about that. I was more just fascinated with that aspect of religion where people take it so seriously that they will bet their entire lives on it and harm those that they love because of it. And then someone across the street has a a different religion where they do the exact same thing and believe it just as fervently. And I wanted to study it to learn more about that aspect of it. And so I was fascinated more than anything. And then uh, as I learned more and more about religion, the more and more, uh, you know, the more identified as an atheist and started writing about these subjects and uh, started publishing an American atheist magazine and stuff like that. Okay. So you were, you were driven to it in part by the more the sociology or anthropological aspect of religion than like, I, I, I get that. I understand that because it, it's exactly I, I've said that before, literally that I like to I, I consider myself an anthropologist when it comes to religion. And, at, it, you know, between the ages of 13 and 18, before I went to college and after this realization with my grandparents, I went to churches four or five times a week. I would be there every single night that I could. And I would sit there with a notepad just you know, just studying these people and watching them talk, speak in tongues and watching them like pretend to heal each other. That shit is so weird. 
it was blowing my mind. And so, you know, they would ask me questions and I'm like, oh no, I'm good. I'm just, I'm just here taking notes. <laughs> I'm just writing down the weird shit you're doing. No, keep, keep on with that babble talk. You sure you don't want to get baptized? We just want to know, just do no, the notes. Yeah, okay, no, it's right, fine. fine. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I'm just drawing these courtroom sketches of you. You guys handle the rattlesnake. I'm going to watch from a safe distance. Wait a minute. I know that you're probably joking, but were they rattlesnake people? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you knew the rattlesnake people. My grandparents considered themselves Pentecostal uh, Christians, and they spoke in tongues, and they did snake handling at their church. We've never talked to the snake handler, Cecil. No, never. We've never even talked to somebody tangential to a snake handler. How big is that community? I mean, I imagine it shrinks regularly. it It goes down pretty quick. I've interviewed a couple of snake handlers and, and the interesting part about it for me is that I, I wanted to become a herpetologist all my life and I wanted to, <laughs> and you know what, this is, this is going to sound like I made this up for the show, but yesterday morning I caught a rattlesnake and myself in a butterfly net and relocated it because it, I live here on a farm in kind of a rural area and we deal with rattlesnakes regularly. So I'm, I'm the one handling these snakes now. <laughs> My grandma would be so proud. And obviously you had to feel incredibly confident handling that rattlesnake because its venom, of course, couldn't possibly yeah, hurt no. you. <laughs> My faith Right, thing. yeah, My right. So I, uh, it can pierce your skin. Your skin, yes. So like a logistical <laughs> question, a logistical question about the snake thing. Do they like, do they like fuck with the snakes in some way to make them less venomous or do they do, do something to... They like grab just some random old snake. So it's not yes, like the people do. who who do like the cobra thing where they they make it so that they can't bite and then they they mess right. with the cobra. It's not it like that. Not like that. Um, the secret is that rattlesnakes, uh, snakes in particular, snakes in general and rattlesnakes in particular aren't super aggressive when it comes to biting people uh, because they're going to be more likely to bite like rats and things that they know that they can eat. And so when they bite, it's an extremely uh, defensive bite. It's like you're, you, they feel like you're threatening its life or something. And so if you're calm around a rattlesnake, you could probably pick up and handle any general rattlesnake that you see if you're careful and calm and it's not a feisty one. Not that I would recommend that. In fact, I recommend the opposite. But You heard instance, it here, guys. David I- says snuggle a rattlesnake. <laughs> that is what he said. His words, not mine. On the air. Well, when I caught this today with the butterfly net, he didn't strike one single time from the time I picked him up with the s'mores, uh, s'mores cooker for a fireplace and put him in the butterfly net. He didn't strike at all. And then we put him in a an ice chest from there and he didn't strike it all there either. So he didn't feel like his life was uh, uh, endangered at that time. One more question though. So like in the back room of the church, do they have like some anti-venom or something just in case something goes wrong? Or do they just be like, no, we're going to lay on hands. And yeah. They call them the Bibles, Cecil. <laughs> <laughs> Smack it with a Bible. <laughs> They actually had uh, a community hospital right next to the church. And I always thought that was out. That's Providence right there. No, that's the name of the hospital. It's Providence. Providence, hospital. yeah. yeah. So. Do, do, do they like have a guy? I have so many snake related questions. I'm sorry. I have at least two more. I have at least two more. I'm sorry. This is not what you wanted to talk about. I don't care. So, like, do they have to go out and catch these snakes or do they have a captive? series of snakes they keep for their Sunday snaking. Like, like I don't, I experience there's a, there's a volunteer, like a local, a person who just like, Oh, I, I 
you know, I caught a rattlesnake recently. I got him in my yard. <laughs> like, okay, let's bring him in. <laughs> oh, yeah, special guest. Come on down. Everybody's bringing their bag <laughs> of snake to church. <laughs> yeah, what happens if you have too many people showing up with snakes? Like, no, Jim, we don't need any more fucking snakes. It's like, all right, it's this like is somebody why you brought too much dip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's four dips, there's like 18 snakes. Wait, okay. They're like, well, they're fucker, Look, man. Next time we're going to assign yeah. it. We're gonna, that's on me. Tell you what, Look, I you told bring you cups. bring the rats. We don't even need to feed them. <laughs> <laughs> I will be impressed when I see like a Burmese python handling, right? Like some 20 foot long, like, like I, I read a story. I read a story like literally the other day, like two or three days ago about a woman who got eaten straight up eaten by a Burmese python. That would impress Hell me yeah. if you're like, you could handle that. Yeah, thing? Right. Yeah. That weighs 200 pounds. <laughs> right, you're like, yeah. Oh, you could wrestle fuck, those things. Like, Grandma's out there wrestling a Burmese. Python. <laughs> <laughs> you could get eaten by it. As long as you come out, Fine. Three days later, and it's still bigger. <laughs> <laughs> they swallow you whole. They're not chewing. So yeah, 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 right. You got a yeah. chance. It's you know it's really I mean? a Jonah and the snake situation. That's what it is. Real hard. <laughs> you gotta pray real hard the whole time. So. Did you want to ask anything else before we jump? No, I, that's all. Okay. That's all the okay, snake right. related. Okay. I broke down my all three right. snake questions, though. <laughs> okay. I did have three snake questions. I think it's I'm good. So. I want to talk a little bit about your book. This is interesting. The title of your book is Hi, I'm an Atheist, What It Means and How to Talk About It with Others. Tell us about the, the concept of the book. Yeah. So the origin of this book was when I was majoring in religious studies, uh, I graduated. Uh, I did very well in my religious studies courses, and I applied to the same school to the graduate program. And before I had even formally applied, I just expressed an interest. I met with the dean of admissions who uh, in instantly Googled my name and saw my first book, Disproving Christianity, pop up on the screen. And she looked at me and she's like, I got to word this carefully, but uh, you won't fit in with our department's milieu because you're an atheist activist with an axe to grind. And, and you're like, I, I just, should never have gone to Liberty University <laughs> for this degree. <laughs> I wonder what Olivet Nazarene is doing. <laughs> you know, this is a this is a public school. This is UC Santa Barbara, uh, a school oh, where we're government funded. Uh, but that dean of admissions, she did come from a theology program about six months before that. And so, you know, I think she didn't really understand the differences between a uh, religious divinity schools theology program and a secular religious studies program, uh, but they they issued me an apology and and they offered to uh, review my application. I declined, uh, but that was kind of the first experience that set me up to write the book because I realized that coming out as an atheist or or being an open non-believer could affect you in more than just your family life, where your aunt gets mad or your grandma doesn't like to hear what you say at Thanksgiving or whatever. Uh, that it could affect your your employment and your educational opportunities. You know, I I would I don't know this for sure, right? Because you, you can't go back in time and re-adjudicate with different circumstances. But I do wonder heavily if you had instead been a devout Christian who had written a book called Ten Proofs of Jesus, if that would have been yeah. like if you'd written the same book, right? Yeah. The same book, you know, Ten yeah. Proofs, an apologist guide to proving Jesus. Rocked. Why atheists are wrong. Right. Or whatever, you know, yeah. I, I would imagine strongly that that would have actually worked in your favor for that graduate I can, program. I can promise you that that person would get in because I mentioned in my meeting with the dean of, dean of admissions, 
I mentioned to her that you accept all kinds of people who have done missions, who have written books about Christianity, who have right. explicitly, you know, been on the other side of that coin, uh, you know, and it shouldn't have mattered for either of these, you know, myself or that hypothetical person, because I wasn't involving my activism with my education. I wasn't writing all my papers about how Christianity was terrible. You know, I was literally just studying uh, religion and learning about how the different faiths interacted with one another and changed changed their belief systems over time by uh, influencing the trade routes and other other weird ways that they uh, interacted. And that was my focus and that was my specialty. And so I never, I never uh, did anything involving activism in my school. And, and that hypothetical person writing about Christianity likely wouldn't either. And so it really shouldn't be relevant, we, you know, but yeah, it was apparently. Yeah, but it's, it, you know, I, you, I would just seize on something that's interesting to me is that if an atheist writes a book or is vocal, has a podcast, for example, um, that's considered activism. If somebody yep. of faith um, writes a book or goes on mission or evangelizes, that is not considered activism. That's considered just an expression of faith. And so yep. they're viewed as different. One is viewed as inherently political and as a result, inherently divisive. And the other is viewed as normative um, and something yep. that we all sort of accept and embrace. And that is one thing that I think makes being atheist more challenging than being, you know, part of that, you know, larger, to your point, larger milieu of, of the cultural yeah. set, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't stand in the way directly of my work, et cetera. No, it doesn't, except that, yeah, sometimes it does. Except that, yeah, like sometimes you'll have to keep quiet about something that other people don't have to keep quiet about. Something that not only do other people not have to keep quiet about, but that works as a point in their favor. You know, we've seen how many yep. times somebody who says, you know, they go in front of a judge and what's one of the things that people will say, oh, you know, my client made a mistake, but they're a devout Christian and they're a prayer school leader. They're describing religious activism. If they were to describe yep. atheist activism, that would be seen as morally bankrupt. So, you know, and I know I'm just basically repeating to you back to you what you said in, in, in different terms, but I do think that that structure is is interesting. So when you wrote your book, um, I'm an atheist, what that means, I, what I see is a, on is the second part, how to talk about it with others. So yep. tell me a little bit more about that. How, how and why should we talk about atheism? All right, so I'll address why first. Uh, when I when I talk about uh, when I encourage people to talk about atheism, what I'm hoping for is that it becomes more normative. That you know, uh, you talk about it with your your mom, and your mom sees that okay, this person's an atheist, and they haven't changed. My son hasn't changed in all this time of being an atheist. Maybe it's not a big deal if my daughter or my mailman or my cashier, whatever, happens to be an atheist. Whereas Right now, that is seen as more of like a dirty word, and it's seen as, uh, like you mentioned, you know, it's kind of like a mitigating factor, uh, an aggravating factor instead of a mitigating factor when it comes to court cases and stuff like that. And it really shouldn't be that way. But the more people who talk about it, the more we go to a society where it's seen as just another part of anybody's old beliefs or non-beliefs or whatever. 
so that, that's why I think it's important that we do talk about it. And as far as uh, how you go about it, um, obviously, there's a lot of information in the book, but I would I would distill it down to that we have to account for the fact that, like you mentioned, that it's completely normal to be on the other side of the coin and seen as abnormal to be an atheist. You have to understand that just by saying that you're an atheist, you're basically saying everybody that you know and love, you know, in many cases is wrong about something that they've believed with all of their hearts for their whole life and that they learned from their family. And so it is uh, an inherently controversial position in a society right. that's dominated by faith. Yeah, it reminds me of the, the re there's, so there's a very recent, and I mean, it's been out for a long time, but it's got a, a, a more, it's got a little more attention now because the road thing, the shout your abortion hashtag, right? And that reminds me too of the power of the LGBTQ community of coming out, right? You come out and yep. you shut your abortion and you you make known to, I think very me too. specifically, me too. Me too. Well. Yeah, me too is another like, yeah, example. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, like make known to people, you know somebody that is like this. You love somebody that is like this. And and I that, that sort of thing for any kind of marginalized group, you know, I think it matters. It, it, can you tell me about what are your thoughts about this and the workplace? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a big, big part of the book because that's where a lot of people have these types of interactions. And even to this day, a lot of my fan mail, a lot of my messages are about people who are experiencing like inappropriate, uh, like their employer is doing something inappropriate when it comes to religion. And so, you know, I, I have to forward all those people to Freedom From Religion Foundation, to Americans United for Separation of Church and State other organizations that can do real work on those issues. But when it comes to just communicating about religion, that's a big issue in the workplace too, because it's seen as okay to talk about, you know, oh, where do you go to church in a lot of areas or, right. uh, you know, to otherwise imply or just uh, uh, assume the faith of others. And for an atheist, you have to literally question yourself. Am I going to let them assume that I'm a believer like them and assume that I have these complex rituals like they do and assume that I worship this deity that they do, or am I going to break and make an uncomfortable situation even more uncomfortable by saying, you know, I don't believe in any of that and essentially telling them that you believe that they're wrong about all of these important things in their life. And it, it can get real dicey. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's just the information you have to have in your mind going into it. You have to have that context and that awareness of, of what the dynamics are. What about so one of the one of the big things is that atheists have to deal with is dealing with close family. Like you mentioned earlier, like when you're talking to Aunt Millie or whatever at at Christmas or Thanksgiving. What kind of advice do you give people to talk about? Talk to people that are that that are close to them that knew them when they were growing up, things like that. What kind of advice do you get to them? I think you got to appeal to what you just mentioned that they knew them growing up and say, you know, there's this whole background of relationship that we have where uh, my beliefs were not a part of that. Uh, usually in most cases, it's not. And you say, uh, you know, the fact that I don't believe this now shouldn't get in the way of anything that we had or have in the future. And, you know, unless they're trying to force their beliefs on you or others, it shouldn't. And so that should be uh, a good place to start for forming those connections, uh, reforming those connections. And I recommend uh, the first step in any of those situations is also to find common ground. So basically like, you know, you believe in God, I don't believe in God, but 
we both hate the Raiders. So let's go talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need, you know? It's, it's funny because one of the things you had mentioned before was um, you said you were, one of the things you were studying was how different religious sects sort of interact with one another. And I, I wrote a note that, you know, are atheists maybe like, and I, I don't think this is like an intentional role, but do we serve a sort of cultural role as uniters of other religions? And in other words, we are the enemy of everyone's enemy. Like if you're oh, Hindu yeah. and you're Muslim, you know, the Hindu and Muslim populations historically, particularly in India, are not getting along, to put it very mildly. But I think yep. they hate us more yeah. than they hate each yeah, other. For sure. Like, I wonder if there is a sort of enemy of the enemy, the uniter role that atheism I plays can, culturally. I can promise you that that does happen because I've personally experienced it on many occasions where somebody will say, I'm a Christian and I would take a, a Muslim or a Jew any day over somebody who doesn't believe in God. And and I've seen this, uh, seen this by somebody who also said that he believes that all Christians will rise up and kill all atheists at some point and said that right now laws are the only thing getting in Christians way of, of killing all atheists. And that's uh, good. Yikes. Cause we're not in great down. shape as a group, you Yikes. know, like I'm just saying, <laughs> Yikes. Wow. Well, oh boy. Genocide ready. Like you have beach body. I don't have genocide ready body yet. So <laughs> 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 Oi. You're just lifting Jim Baker buckets to get, in, to get in shape. Just, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I don't kill you. Anytime somebody finishes a sentence with, the only reason I don't kill like, I don't need to listen to the rest. I Like, what do you want to kill me <laughs> for, you fucking that. psychopath? What's crazy is that there's many believers out there who the, the one thing that is tethering them to... Yeah, good behavior right. is that that there's someone watching them that will punish them forever right. in an afterlife. It's crazy uh, that there's so many of them. Yeah, I'd pretty much kill you and smash your brains in with a rock. But you know, <laughs> I don't want to go to hell for being a bad person. You're like, you're already a bad person because <laughs> you want to beat my brains in with a rock. Exactly. What? You live in the thought <laughs> crime world, not me. How is this not a thought crime? <laughs> it's even funnier because this actually ties into the the real nature of religion, the real purpose that religion serves uh, as a kind of uh, tribal bond bonding exercise, as something that brings in fringe people who would otherwise uh, go afoul of the law. They they won't if they think right. they have this cosmic uh, overseer, and that's the real purpose that religion has served in society. And the reason that it still exists today is because. Uh, it has helped societies in the, in those ways, and you know a lot of people who think that there's zero benefits to uh, to religion have never met one of these people that without it would be bashing yep. in their brains. <laughs> you know, in in the righteous mind, Jonathan Haidt points that out. He says, you know, one of the things that religion does that is that has tremendous social value is it brings these groups together and offers these these folks something to tribalize around. And without that yeah. tribalization, we don't make anywhere near as much social progress. So I yeah. the, the question I was going to ask you after that then is, do we as atheists have something that we can tribalize around other than this non-belief, which is difficult to coalesce around? Yeah, yeah. The, well, the existence, the non-belief only exists because of the belief. So if your only yeah. purpose of existence is to oppose something else, you know, 
just like atheism is, then it's not going to be a strong background for a The Republicans do okay with that. <laughs> I'm just saying, their only existence is opposition. Yeah, opposition, right? Right. I know that's fine. Yeah. And I, I learned this, you know, when I when I first was uh, starting off with this atheist stuff, I, I soon transitioned to writing about skepticism and atheism and, and secular issues and humanism issues and, you know, uh, anything in general that religion has touched on and impeded trying to kind of clear that way a little bit. And so I think that's the purpose that we serve at this moment. Let's talk a little bit about your, uh, your children's books. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, so you do, you, you not only write books like this, you also write books for children. Yes. Uh, I have four children's books and the first three are about the topic of religion. Um, I basically took what I learned in these college classes and distilled it to what kids can understand and help them see where religions come from, where I say, you know, imagine if you looked out your window one day and you saw everything that you needed to survive, uh, all the food and water that you would ever need to survive is just right there in front of you. Wouldn't it kind of feel like there was this person or something up there looking out for you and, and explain that that's how this whole idea of a God began uh, and goes into allowing them to create their own deities and their own religions with sacred texts and stuff like that. So those are, I'm really passionate about getting people to understand the ins and, out, ins and outs of religion and uh, what it means to society and how to uh, interact with people on that subject. Do you have any kids? I do not have kids yet, no. Uh, That's I pretty have, cool that you're writing kids' books because most people you know, they, they wouldn't think to write books to appeal to that generation until they have like a personal experience with that generation. My illustrator, uh, Chuck Harrison, we are 50-50 on this whole, on the whole venture of the Belief Book series. And when we came up with the idea together, he had a six-year-old son. And that's where we based this whole thing was uh, uh, six and up as the age range for these books because we tested them on his son. <laughs> and we took the questions that he had and we incorporated them into the future editions. And we really worked with his kid. And then uh, later on, on, on the second and third book, my niece and nephew as well. And so, you know, I, I don't have my own kids yet, but I do have a lot of experience in that world that I was able to pull, pull from. Uh, and I have 22 farm animals, so that's got to count for at least one kid. <laughs> that, that basically amounts to like seven You're kids. You're essentially like a three to one McDonald. ratio. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. So uh, do you catch any heat from these books from believers? Do believers think that you're like the the root of all evil and there's going to be a drag queen reading your book at some library somewhere that they have to break up to send the proud boys in or something follow up do your books have a <laughs> pop-up snake that just jumps out because <laughs> if not that's a missed opportunity it to really say is. maybe the it next is. one no. it, just, it, it just bites the apple like you pull the thing and it bah! bites the apple. Anyway, just there's they have, a, a, they have a color color in your own snake <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question though literally I mean, 90% of my emails are hate about those books because people are uh, thinking that I'm trying to induct, literally they say that I'm trying to indoctrinate their kids. I'm like, first of all, I write these books. You have to put it in the kid's hands. <laughs> and second of all, if anything, it's trying to disindoctrinate any, you know, uh, there's nothing in there. I literally don't mention the word atheism in these books. It's all about religion, where it comes from, why people believe the things they believe. 
there's even a section called higher power rangers higher power rangers where that's pretty the great very clever love it how to uh, nicely interact with religious people, even though they don't believe the same thing. And so it's all respectful and kind. I don't teach anyone to hate anything, but yeah, the hate toward me on this is, is kind of unprecedented. And, and those are my most popular books as well. Uh, they go around in a lot of uh, 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 homeschooling groups and a lot of secular schooling groups. And uh, it inspired me to come up with a fourth children's book, which has nothing to do with religion, which is called Maggie and Daisy Explore the Farm. <clears throat> and that's about our farm here. And, and my, uh, I had a St. Bernard, uh, we have a St. Bernard pit bull and we have a one-eyed chihuahua and it's about them. Aww. And it's all about like moral lessons. It's teaching them how to, uh, fight bullying and be good people. And, uh, so it's that type of thing that without religion, we do need to be teaching kids. Like these are good morals. Let's, yeah. let's follow these ones instead of these ones based on this ancient text. And then you get them in with this book and they think you're just some some guy. And then they're like, oh, well, let's see what else he has. Suddenly you're you're like toppling idols and it's just it's just chaos in their life. Good for you. I like your I, I, I like your plan. This is this is, this is, this is all That's part of the guess. evil McAfee like thing. Like it's <laughs> soon like there's just a whole bunch of them living in Belize in the jungles with their harem or 14. I, it, it's it's fascinating that your books don't mention atheism and yet you still have all of this hate mail because like introspection and self-reflection are intellectual enemies of religious belief. So even though you're not explicitly calling out religion as being like, hey, here's a list of things that aren't true. It's like, hey, here's some things to think deeply about. And they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. We don't like Literally. thinking deeply about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not Literally. any good. The books are all focused on questions. Each chapter starts with a question and, and the the kid is encouraged to just ask more questions and deepen their understanding. It's basically the, the Socratic method applied to kids and they hate it. People hate. <laughs> of course they do. If people were going to find your work somewhere on the internet, where would they look? Uh, I would say Amazon, <laughs> uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash author David G. McAfee. Uh, that's where I am most often. But all my books are available on Amazon, but they're available really any bookstore. If you have like a local bookstore you prefer, they'll be able to order it at least. Well, we'll leave, we'll leave a link on this week's show notes to uh, to your Amazon page. And then people can, if they hate Amazon, can certainly Google your books and find them somewhere else. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining yeah, us Thanks so much us about this stuff. We really, we really appreciate thank you coming you guys. on. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love the show. Abortions for all. Yeah! No miniature American flags for anyone. Yeah! So Tom, this last week we did a fundraiser. We did. And, uh, we wound up raising, uh, with, Three other podcasts, Opening Arguments, Knowledge Fight, and Scathing Atheist, over $160,000. Huge output. $160,000 for abortion access. Three different charities That's we ridiculous. chose. That whole stream is available on YouTube. And uh, and the the place that we wound up donating was awayfund.org. That's the Opening Arguments Fund. It's right. going to take that money, split it up three different ways, and send those checks directly out to those organizations. But huge outpouring from our community as usual. Man, I, 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 first couple of things occur to me. One is I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised because this community has stepped up every time 
yeah. that the call has been made. But even though I'm not surprised, I don't want to take it for granted because I'm also intensely impressed. And honestly, like I, I don't say it's like, I'm actually pretty fucking humbled by it. I yeah, really am. For real. Because there's no way you and I could do this, yeah. right? This $160,000 will make a real genuine material difference in the lives of people who have now become second-class citizens. And the only way that that happens is because we're all able to connect together. Yeah. We're all able to bind together and unite as a community. It, when we started this, what we had in common was something we didn't believe in. We talked about this with yeah. our guests. Yeah. And that's nothing, right? That doesn't hold. There's no bond yeah. to that. But what I am gratified by time and again is, and I, I know this might sound kind of cheesy, but I don't care. Like I am genuinely moved by the depths of the bonds that have been created as a result of this little podcast world, this yeah. little, I don't know what you call it, yeah, like, sure. but it's like, it's got knowledge fight in it now and it's got us and it's got the scathing guys and it's got the OA guys. And we're not part of anything official. We don't, we're not joined at the hip or tethered financially yeah. to one another, but there's this thing that we kind of share and we've been able to sort of connect together and pull some different audiences from this show and from that show. And $160,000 is an impressive showing that gets, it does more than just um, help the people who get financially involved. That also will get attention and it will help motivate other people to give. And it will help really establish that this is a community that is powerful. And this is a community that believes in something more than just not believing in things. That's what we're accused of all the time. We're accused of not believing in things. And there's so much more to us than that. I'm so grateful to be a part of that community and that group of people, whatever we call it. I don't know what it would even be called, Yeah. but I am deeply grateful I, to be a part of it. I am so impressed, like you said, so impressed with the people who step up and help motivate their communities around yeah. them, right? Like we don't have a lot of, we don't, you and I are just dudes, right? but we just happen to have a little bit louder voice. And the people who listen to us are also caring people. Right. And the same thing is true for many in these communities. And so grabbing together all those caring people is sort of really an amazing moment, right? It's what people talk about, like what religion is, you know, the sort of gathering of people and the mm -hmm. idea, like there's a, there's a very, you know, like there's a very moving experience to be had here just as much as there would be in any spiritual a, yeah. place. You know what I mean? Like these gathering of people to, to do good work is important. And the, you know, I want to, I want to give a shout out to the scathing atheist guys who they were on, like, this is the night before they go to their company retreat. Right. This is the night before they all, and the same thing with Thomas and Andrew, cause they were, oh, they were there too. going there too. Yep. So it's like, this is the night before they all decide to get on a plane and travel somewhere. They took time out of their schedule to do that. The Knowledge Fight guys, they actually, before they came on with us, were doing another fundraiser. Yeah. And before that, they had actually raised, I thought I read, ten dollars to $15,000 for abortion before that. Yeah. So they had already come in raising extra money before then, trying to, to spend their time as much as they could to, to get as much of the word out as they could to, to sort of further this message to help motivate people to to donate and that you can't, I mean, that just an amazing group of people, just genuinely it, amazing. It truly is. And it's so needed. And here's a story from the guardian about why this kind of thing is needed. And it, just to give you guys an idea, the, the funds that we donated to 
are funds that help provide not just abortion services themselves, but also logistical access to abortion for those who are living in nightmarish fucking dystopian hellscapes that are essentially Margaret Atwood fucking wet fantasies, right? So that nightmare, these organizations help move women out of Gilead and into the real America where they actually count and have rights. Yeah. A story from The Guardian that I can't believe I'm reading in 2022. I can't. 10-year-old rape victim forced to travel from Ohio to Indiana for abortion. I think the most shocking thing about that story Don't is that it. anybody Don't do it. went to Don't Indiana. Do it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> when Indiana is your bastion of progressivism <laughs> in a region. What have you done, America? What I America? love about the story, though, too, is that they that they, <laughs> that they dig beyond the depths of Indiana and Ohio to reach out to one of the Dakotas to right. get to get the the governor of one of the Dakotas. I think it's South Dakota. I'm not sure. I don't remember which Dakota it is. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, but they the the person who they're talking to is this governor who essentially just banned all abortion. Right. And they said they said, well, what would happen? you know, in your state. Right. And, and, and her response was, nobody's talking about the rapist. And I'm just like, man, the rapist gets to go to jail. Like, like nobody's talking about the rapist because the real tragedy here is that, is that the state has abandoned a victim. That's, right, yeah. that's, that's the tragedy. We're not talking about the rapist because the rapist is going to go to jail or the rapist is going to be, he's going to have some, they're going to have some problem. Right. Yeah. Like we're not talking about like, that's sort of the the Texas suggestion that we'll just get rid of rape. Well, why the fuck? If you could do that, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do it already? Really? Yeah. Like, oh, you had a you had a magic no rape wand, yeah, right. and what you were sitting on it because yeah. you could always get an abortion. Like, really? That's why we're not we're not talking about the rapists because there are already laws outlawing fucking rape. It's it's a stupid what? comment. It's a stupid what? comment. And the other thing too that that is is so frustrating with all this is the way this woman frames her argument is as if people are just like using abortion as contraception with no other plan in place. They're just out right, there having right, sex yeah. and then they just just like, oops, I gotta go back for an abortion. Uh-oh. That is such not what really yep. happens in the world. It is such a fucking fabrication of the right to make it look like every single person who gets an abortion is they're just not responsible for their own body. And they just, and they go out and flaunt this system to try to, to try to show that they're not responsible for their own body. When in fact, you know, especially when you're talking about the, the, the pregnancies that go to like the, the third term, and then there needs to be an abortion because of medical reasons, these people were ready to have a baby. Man, I just watched, and I recommend anybody, I just watched this week the documentary After Tiller. So Tiller is the name of an abortion provider who performed abortions in the third trimester and he was assassinated. So After Tiller is an abortion documentary. It was made in 2015. The third trimester abortion providers in America, there are four. There are four people, four human beings providing that service. That's it. Just four human beings providing that service. Less than 1% of abortions are in the third trimester, and they are almost exclusively people who desperately wanted these children. Yeah. And they they are they have 
terrible fetal abnormalities. They were never going to be viable. Or the women are in terrible danger if they were to continue that pregnancy. Or there was some exigent circumstance which prevented women from gaining access to care in a more timely fashion. Regardless, they are a statistical anomaly. There's four providers. The anti-choice movement or right or whatever you want to call it, they seize on this as if it's some kind of a norm when it's like 91.1% of all abortions occur before 10 weeks. 99 or 91? 91% occur before 10 weeks. 10 weeks? Before 10 weeks. That is a that it, is like what I said. It's a bloody nose. Right. It's not even a like you if you were to if you were to show someone what what was gone at 10 weeks, right. they would be like, what is that? Is that like an apple seed? And when you push that number out to like 20 weeks, it's like 99%. 99%. Yeah, sure. It's so we're not talking about first trimester abortions. That's that's what Roe codified, right? right. right? Was yep. was free for the country first trimester abortions. And then everybody kept on trying to put in little things like, oh, you gotta gotta name it and you got to stick a thing up your right. hoo-ha and you got to look at it in the face and say, I'm going to kill you or whatever. Like all these weird laws that they try to put in place. But Roe essentially said 20 weeks is fine. Yeah. You know, and I looked this up the other day because I was curious about this and I got to thinking about this. And so it, it is not until sometime in the seventh month of pregnancy that there is, so we talk about like measuring the, the right, I don't want to say we, the right talks about measuring things like the heartbeat in order yeah. to determine life, right? And we had Dr. Jessica on twice and the heartbeat, first of all, it's not a heart. Yeah. Second of all, it's not a heartbeat, but also that's not actually a good measure of when life begins. And we, we know that because it's not the measure of how life ends. So in other words, if I get in a car crash yeah, or my, yeah, sure. my you know, dad has a fucking stroke or something and his heart keeps beating, what we actually measure to determine life is whether or not there's brainwave activity. Yeah. That's how we determine whether or not a fully bodied person who is no longer physically tethered to another human being for life support, that's what we measure. And we measure that if somebody is 70 years old and we measure that same thing if somebody is six months old, right? It doesn't, we don't measure a different thing if there's any question about yeah. whether somebody's yeah. alive. It's not until the seventh month that there's any measurable brainwave activity. Yeah. Prior to month seven, there is no, this is according to the NIH. I, so I just, in case anyone's wondering where my source is from the NIH. So there's no measurable brainwave activity. So, so the thing that we use to measure whether or not a fully bodied person is alive or dead. And we measure that to decide, can we harvest organs from this yeah. thing? Yeah. Right. It's is this Shivo. Right. Yeah. You know, so like if I get in a fucking car wreck and my brain dies, my heart keeps beating, they can stop my beating heart, right? In order to take my kidneys and give them to someone that needs them because I'm fucking dead. I'm in, and dead is the opposite fucking thing of alive. We're liars about this. Like the right is lying about this. They are lying. They're moving the goalpost with the heartbeat when we don't use that goalpost for any no, yeah, fully bodied, yeah. no. non-tethered sure. human organism. Sure. And it's fucking nonsense. This story from The Guardian, a 10-year-old kid, a 10-year-old kid, and in this, the state of Ohio is like, no. And the Dakotas are like, no. And they're going to have a special session in Indiana soon to yeah. abolish it. And they will. They will. They will 100% Absolutely. in a special session soon. That's like, yeah, no, it's going to be gone. So that that's a two-state area. Think about where you're at. Let's say you're in like the Toledo area or maybe right. a little bit farther. Let's say you're, you're, you're closer to Cleveland. Hours. What do you have? Hours, hours. and hours and hours and hours, hours. to drive. 
to get somewhere so that because because Michigan now is going to go dark. Right. Right. If you're in Cincinnati, you're you're five hours from civilization. Yeah. Five Cincinnati, you're fucked. Because yeah. yeah, Kentucky, Tennessee. Right. You know you're, what's around you. Right. You're you know? seriously you're five hours to Illinois. What's around yeah. you? Yeah. And You've, that's the problem. Yeah. Is like and this is a long this is a long place. This you're traveling a long way. Yeah. And and the costs of that travel. You know, it's it's also I, I looked up. You know, the majority of people who choose to have an abortion already have kids. They already have kids. It's they they understand what's going. Like they the right likes to paint this. Like to your point, they like to paint this as a matter of responsibility. It's a bullshit way to phrase something, right? This has nothing to do with responsibility. This has everything to do with denying women bodily autonomy. Because to deny a woman bodily autonomy is to relegate women to second class citizenry. And that's that's not unintentional. There was a Times article that came out today that was talking about how women are not able to return to the workforce in the same numbers as men have been able to return to the workforce post-pandemic because the industries that have not come back online are the child care and elder care yeah. industries. Right. Industries which are both staffed by primarily women and also primarily services that women need. This, in conjunction with the destruction of women's bodily autonomy rights yeah. means that women will be forced more and more even into further. roles of financial servitude. Even further into yes. even further out of the workforce. Yep. And and the and the worst part about all this is that women were were making true strides, becoming the more educated group of people. Yeah. Um, be getting more and more better paying jobs, voting more voting often. More. Yeah. There was so much more that had happened in recent years. You know, progress. There was progress. The huge progress. And and you know that tells you, I think, why these things are being decided the way they are. Absolutely, um, man. Really, Absolutely. Really devastating story about this poor little little girl. This though, little kid, man. Ten just, is so I mean, little. Ten is so young. Ten is so young, and to be. In that situation, and to look to, to look at any of these anti-choicers in the in the country, and to have them have them sit down with her and right. say, "No, you're forced to do this. You have to. because this woman and this this governor is like oh. every life is beautiful." And at one point, I want to read part of what she oh says. Oh my god, it's so monstrous. Yeah, she says, "Asked if the girl should have to leave the baby, uh, have the baby." Noam responded that every single life, every single life is precious. This tragedy is horrific. But in South Dakota, it was a South Dakota lady, the law today is that abortions are illegal except to save the life of the mother. And I would argue, I would argue to you, Tom, that if this if this little girl had an abortion, it would save her life. Yeah, and but because you know, it, yeah, would it would save her life. It would save her yes, whole life. life. It would save and, everything that's meaningful about being alive. And I would say the same thing about every single mother out there that has an abortion, that it saved their life. Absolutely. That while it did, might not have been a life-threatening injury, it saved their life. Yeah, your life is more than just whether or not you live or die. Your life is a series of ideas and dreams and stories yes. about who you want to be. exactly And it. a narrative you want to tell about your fucking future. And an unplanned pregnancy and an unwanted pregnancy necessarily derails that and threatens and destroys that story that you're trying to tell yourself and work toward about your own life. And it is nobody's fucking business but that woman who is pregnant yeah. about what story she chooses to tell about her relationship to motherhood, yeah. whether she chooses to engage that or chooses or not. not to engage or that. Not. This follow-up bullshit that she said, she said, yes, because asked if allowing an abortion to be performed on a 10-year-old would be considered as protecting the life of the mother, Noam did not rule out that interpretation. But then she says this, and I need you guys need to hear this. 
Yes, that situation, the doctor, the family, the individual closest to that will make the decisions there for that family. No, they won't because, because they you can't. In. Because the state now right. is, is the wall in between all those things. Right. The yes. church, the 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 mother, the the father, the the, the financial, the financial situation, the, the family around it, the doctor, all that stuff gets bodied out of there. Right. By the state who's now gets to make this decision unilaterally for everyone. I, 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 I read that line and I literally, I couldn't believe that line because that line basically says it's nobody's business but the woman and her care providers and those closest yeah. to her, right? And a and bunch of senators. And I'm just and like, And yeah. nine justices. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I fucking agree. So why are you in her fucking yeah. uterus, yeah. man? Fucking A, man. This is a 10-year-old. Yeah. What the fuck? It's, that was such an egregious line. I couldn't believe that when yeah. I read it. People always say shit like, I'm gonna pray for you. You gonna pray for me? So you gonna sit in your apartment and do nothing? Cause that's what your prayers are. You sitting around and not taking action as I struggle with the situation. Don't pray for me. Make me a sandwich or something. Because I'm really upset. And I can't cook for myself. This story comes from Rolling Stone and is not surprising. SCOTUS justices prayed with her then cited her bosses to end Roe. Um, so this is specifically citing a right-wing evangelist who met with and bragged about and laughed about the justices that she didn't meet with to pray ahead of time with these fucking justices and then was like, yeah, they didn't all want to meet with me. They didn't all want to pray with me, but you know, some of them sure did. And then wouldn't you know it, our right-wing fucking religious fundamentalist ideas made their way into the law of the land. And not only that, this woman represents one of the people who brought a case. Yep. So it's not just that, it's not just that this is just some random preacher, right? Right. This is a random preacher with a giant organization behind her that is bringing lawsuits all the way up to the Supreme Court and offering opinions to the Supreme Court that they are then citing in their yeah. in their rulings. Yeah. This is a this is a dangerous overstepping of bounds and a huge conflict of interest and it's crazy that there are no safeguards. Yeah, man. Yep. There's no like there's no bumpers playing fucking bowling with the fucking Supreme right. Court. There's right. no bumpers. It's it. it, it the rails are off, It's man. It's completely like, yeah, well, all right, we did this thing, and it seems like, it, it just seems like unethical on its face to share time and to, outside of the courtroom, share this sort of like side prayer religiosity moment with members of the fucking case you're about to hear or but, but oh yeah if it happens and we find out there's literally nothing anyone can do there's literally nothing anyone can do if you have any illusions whatsoever that this is not the rise of the theocrats right that the theocrats are not establishing through their most recent ruling a very specific and narrow interpretation of christianity that everybody else will be forced by law to follow. If you are somehow confused about that, allow this to disabuse you of that notion. Yeah, it is uh, It is one of those moments where they try to, they, you know, you see it happening and you're appalled, right? right? But then 
they try to make it better by saying things like, well, Scalia used to go hunting with Dick Cheney. And you're like, that's not okay either. Right. Like, like it's okay. If you're going to use that as a way to be, to say, well, you know, sometimes Supreme Court justices, they get buddy-buddy with people who might have influence on their decision-making. And you think, Fuck you! Yeah, right. That shouldn't happen! We hired you for one job, man! You had one job and then you fucking cocked it all up! You went out there and fucking hung out with this guy and hung out with that gal and you did praying and the fucking steps are in your private chambers with these people who you're reading fucking material from. Yep. That is a clear conflict of interest. There should be an ethics committee that fucking fires you for the American people. Yeah, and there's nothing. There's no, no safeguard. Nothing. You... You go, first of all, going hunting with Dick Cheney automatically shows that you have little regard yeah. for human life. Absolutely. Like how yeah. in the like scars or it didn't There's happen. There's a lot of holes in that argument. <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of holes. That is defective on its face. <laughs> It'd be awesome if Scalia <laughs> apologized to him after he gets shot in the face like that one guy. All I'm saying is if somebody had to get shot in the face, why wasn't it Scalia? Also, I think Scalia could probably take it in the face. He oh. probably could take it. Like he was like- he Wouldn't a, even care. He was like made of, of, of just, he was like a human callus that day. <laughs> it probably just bounced right off of him. No, but- He but, is callous. Yeah. That's true. Like <laughs> it's yeah. very obviously callous. Not anymore. Yeah. yeah now, he's, <laughs> now he's dead. Now he's but, a yeah. corpse, but- but yeah. yeah, man, fucking, it's just, it's one of those things that you read and it's, and it's, it very much reminds me of, of the last four years and how government was run. And you yeah. just, you just see that there's these weird backroom deals and the, I'm not going to like you anymore unless you do this thing for me. Right. And all this weird, it just feels so strange. It feels, I, I feel like I was lied to my whole life. I feel like uh, when I was a kid yes. and I was in those civics classes and they looked at me in the face and they said, Adults are in charge. They're they got this. Yes, yeah, right. And I thought, you know what? You're right. These those are adults. Those are people. They some they some old dude in a wig, like a powdered wig, years ago, wrote some shit down, and then they figured it all out. And then a bunch of old dudes in powdered wigs maybe made ten all little alterations to that thing. And then down the road, they they certainly yeah. changed yeah. what they were doing, and they they suddenly realized that they were super wrong about black people. <laughs> they were super wrong about women. They were super wrong about a bunch of other shit, and they changed it all. At first, they were wrong about alcohol, and then they were wrong about alcohol again. <laughs> but, you know, like, they, they worked their way through it. And right. then they get you get to now, and you think, yeah, that's got a long tradition. All those people are in charge. This is how this works. Yeah, this is okay. And then now, you're like, nobody's in charge, man. <laughs> Holy shit. These people are all clowns. They're all fucking clowns, man. Are they all, well, who has the new codes? Get them quick. Hide them under the fucking, like, hide them under the fucking White House dog. Whatever you got to do. It's fucking terrifying that we live yeah. in this world. Like, like, there's a story by Julia Sweeney where she talks about the first time she realized God didn't exist. And she was walking from like her shed to her house. And she had to stop and lay on the ground because she wasn't sure how gravity worked anymore. It like threw her for yeah, such a loop. And like when, when they pulled the fucking the fucking curtain back from how fucking clown shoes yep. the whole government oh is. My God. I feel the same way. I just want to like hold on to the statue of Lincoln and just hold on. <laughs> just like, hold on to it, man. Like a little like kid holding your just dad's don't leg. Don't let go. Be like, no, no. This is, they lied to me, man. You've been lying to me forever. It's crazy, it dude. It is. It is. It's like, I too, I used to believe in the myth of serious yes, people. right? Right? What a great line. I, the myth I, is serious. That's the name of this episode. <laughs> the myth is serious people. And like, 
I am so distressed that it's just everyone guarding their lunch table. Kidding that me. like we're gonna like we're gonna go to wars and we're gonna have trade deals or not have trade deals or fix the climate or not fix the climate or like have generations that have water or not have all of this is based on whether or not someone likes someone else <laughs> like that's that's how you decide who's at your pool party man, Jesus, man. that's how you decide who you stand yeah. in the garage and fucking clink beers with yeah. that is not how you decide whether or not you send 10,000 troops into fucking <laughs> battle because of but yes it is Yes, it fucking because, is. Yes, it fucking because is. Because the myth of serious people is a fucking myth. Yeah. We are run entirely by a bunch of like dudes who want to be friends with each other. We're fucking, they're so just, clown shoes. Right? It's so clown shoes, man. I'm just blown away by how fucking clown shoes it is. And like, the other thing too is this doesn't have anything to do with this story, but you know, this week, Lindsey Graham was subpoenaed. And he's yeah. just like, fuck just you. Like, no. He's just like, fuck no, you. I'm not going to do it. Fuck you. Because fuck you. That's why. Because I'm fucking Lindsey. Because I'm Lindsey Graham. Yeah, and man. you know what I get to say? Fuck you, motherfucker. And guess what? What's going to happen? Literally because nothing. You know what happens if they can say, hey, what? You know what, Cecil? You've been subpoenaed. What happens if I say, yep. fuck you, Tom? Yep. What happens then? Exactly. U.S. Marshals, motherfucker. Yeah. Hey, you know yeah. what you got to do? A, go, or B, go to jail. Those are your two fucking options. Yep. You know, that, that that's the, what's so crazy to me is there's a fucking, like, like I know that there's, I know, yep. I grew up in two Americas. I know there's two Americas. I know there's an America for rich people, and I know there's an America for all the rest of us fucking suckers. And I know that's true, but I didn't think that that would be so brazen out in the open. Like I know, that. dude. This is like, like when I, when I read that Lindsey Graham thing, I, my first thought was like, are they all sovereign citizens? Yeah. Are they all governed yeah. by maritime I, law? What the detained? fuck? Did he ask yes. if he was being detained right <laughs> Wait, now? We could just yeah. say like, your laws don't apply to me. I'm a citizen. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that guy. That count? I want that guy from that courtroom who yes. stopped that guy to come in. I want him oh. to tase Lindsey Graham yes. and drag him by yes. the fucking barbs to his fucking <laughs> seat. At the, like, fuck you, man. Every other fucking Joe in the fucking country's got to show up to these yep. things. You're the only asshole who gets to say no? How about fuck you? How about that? I don't recognize the authority of this committee. I don't recognize the authority of the IRS. I still got to pay my fucking yeah, taxes. Yeah, no kidding, man. I don't get to play sovereign citizen because that's insane. Yeah, I don't but get you to do decide. if you're a senator? Yeah, fuck you, man. Fuck you in the ass. It's you get to so go. crazy. You get to go or you get to go to jail. And I'll tell you what, man. That, that's such bullshit. Yep. It's such bullshit that they let these people get out with this. And I thought for sure there was rules. I did too. What I don't understand is how you can, I understand that you can show up and just plead the fifth the whole time. Yeah. But to just like take your fucking dick out and fucking wag no, it at everybody. No, you're just like, ah, where what? my dick what? at you? I'm outside. I'm fucking Lincoln's face out here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part I don't understand. And the worst part is I'm still holding on. And he's fucking the face. I got my arms around him. He, You're making Lindsay's it weird. There. You're Lindsay's making it weird. Fucking his face. I can't hug him around the neck. I gotta hug him around the ankle. It's dripping down. Jesus Christ, Lindsay. <laughs> I forgot the dog. There's a dog too. And the dog. Oh. Then the dog fucks the girl. That's called bestiality. Yes. It it's in the Bible. It's in my diary. <laughs> He said it's in his diary. <laughs> and I knew his dog. Here's civics class, Tom. Here you go. This could you, again, shit I can't believe I'm reading in 2022. Washington Post, in trainings, Florida tells teachers that religion belongs in public life. 
And let me read specifically. Included in the training is the statement that it is a misconception that the founders desired strict separation of church and state. Other materials included fragments of statements that were cherry-picked to present a conservative view of American history. This is, my takeaway from the training is that civics education in the state of Florida right now is geared toward pushing particular points of view, says Broward County teacher Richard Judd. The thesis they ran with is there is no real separation of church and state. They, like DeSantis is basically creating an entire, like, yeah. he's pushing as far as this can be pushed. There is, a, there is also a law, I don't know if I threw it in the notes or not, but there's a law that was recently passed in Florida that university attendees in Florida, attendees and uh, um, employees of the university have to declare their uh, politics before attending university in order to make sure that the university represents a diversity of viewpoints. God. So you have to declare your fucking political views as a fucking 18-year-old kid applying to some university of Gatortown or whatever the fuck <laughs> in Florida so you can get a substandard education. Here's, <laughs> I don't even know if Florida schools are any good. The, I have no idea. Uh, they have good sports teams. Here's the thing. This is coercing people to do this, yes. right? So like, here's what they have. They have this plan where they're going to get some guy, some fucking joker who believes that fucking, you know, God fucked the constitution and had America as a baby or whatever. <laughs> that's what they and, do believe. And so, and so that's some yokel's going to put that shit in a PowerPoint and he's going to stand in front of everybody. And they have this guy who's like a stop the steal guy who's giving yep. fucking lectures on this stuff. And they're attending these lectures and they're being coerced to attend these lectures because it's $700 to attend for them to get $700. Right. They, they don't have to pay $700. They get $700 yep. to attend. And then it's $3,000 if they certify. So if they say, yeah, a fucking Jesus fucked the Constitution, and that's how God, that's how that's how America. You get came. a check, and then they had a bald eagle, and that was they called it America. <laughs> and then you get a three thousand dollar check. Yep. And then and then they get to go back. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, a teacher can probably make their own decision on whether or not they're going to choose to teach this stuff. But they're basically indoctrinating teachers. You yep. know what I mean? Like you're trying to indoctrinate teachers, and they're also. I mean, let's be real honest. We've all been in jobs where people have coerced you to do yep, something. Yep. And if you go somewhere and let's say, I totally don't believe this stuff, but I go back, I took this thing because I wanted the three grand because I don't give a shit. I can fucking zone out just like the best of them, right? I can fucking yep. zone out all day. I'd be like, I could pretend to look at you for a long time. And so they just stand up there and he does his like song and dance. And I 637 episodes. And I, get, and, I get my, <laughs> and I get my three grand Yeah. and I walk home and then I go back and there was three or four of these other teachers that were there. And then suddenly I'm not teaching this stuff. Yep. Yeah, man. This is an intent to create a workplace culture. Yes. To single out anybody who doesn't share the same yes. political ideology. That's what it is. Yeah. It's an incentives program to create a right-wing educational culture. And how insane is it that the right has been screaming about indoctrination through the schools for this long? And now they're just like, you know what? We need to let's formalize it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. okay, look, I grant, I will grant yeah. that education has always had a liberal bias. I would argue that education has had a liberal bias because the more educated you are, typically the more liberal you become, right? And that's because you learn more and it humanizes you yeah. and you just have a better understanding of the world than if you don't do that, right? But now what they are doing is literally systematizing and formalizing a right-wing indoctrination process, and then they are providing financial incentives and disincentives to not be engaged 
or be engaged with that formalized indoctrination. And you're like, holy fuck, that's draconian. Holy shit, that's top down. Wow, is that big government? They're just like, yeah, we know. Anyway, yeah. Florida. Anyway. Look, hey guys, you don't have to wear a mask though. Yeah. Welcome to Florida. Yeah. You get you can get you get the spicy cough as much as you want. Enjoy. You what, it's so funny that you say that because it's it's so true. They've known forever that you indoctrinate children. They do it in church. Right. They do it in they do it when they're very young. They've known this forever. And what they then they've been doing it through the textbooks for decades. Oh my god! Right? Yeah. Yep. I was talking to a teacher the other night, and his comment was all the all the textbooks. The two, the two states that get to decide what's in the textbooks are California and Texas. Those are your two states. So when you're a buyer of those textbooks, you get to choose California, or, California Texas. or Texas textbooks. Those are what you get to choose. Sure. And so half the country is reading a Texas textbook and half the country is reading a California textbook because those are your two biggest buyers. And so they're not going to make, they're sense. not going to make them, they're not making an Illinois textbook. Right. Yeah, they're not making a fucking Maryland textbook. They're certainly not making a, they're certainly not making a Cal Carolina either one. Right. You know, so, so you basically, you're stuck with the ideology, the, the, the ruling ideology of those two places. And here's my, here's my thing. Texas go blue. Yeah. Recently, because of Roe v. Wade, there was a huge surge in people registering to vote. Huge surge in it. Yeah. Saw it. There's like all over the country too. Yeah. And, and there was a huge surge. I think this, this could be the one thing that changes so many people's minds about how they vote, about what they do. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a really, it's a really difficult, it's a really difficult thing to watch not just, you know, that play out, but then this also, this indoctrination, wanting to change history. These, these, these courses are so just egregious. Talking, trying to oh, change yeah. Yeah. everything yeah. about history, trying to, you know, there's a law down there where you can't even mention certain things because it, it hurts right. people's it, feelings yeah, right. and whatever. Yeah. And genuinely, that's what they're trying to do in these textbooks. And that's what they're trying to do in these, in these, conferences when they when they get people together they they say they're trying to teach both sides but again it's that both sides yeah. bullshit we're like okay both sides means one is false right yeah there's no both sides of of science right yeah. Sci like science settles on things once the experimentation and evidence has been concluded right or like it's it's the preponderance of evidence has shown that it is deeply likely that gravity works approximately like this not However else you fucking think because you made it up. Right, right. Like that's not how, but there, there's a, there's a, you know, like, and Fox News, Fox News just right in the title, I don't know if they still use it, but they used to say that fair and balanced, fair and balanced. And it's like, wait a minute, like some things there are not two legitimate sides to, right, right. you know, whether or not the framers of the constitution, and, and you and I do not give a flying I know, fuck, I fuck about, about whether or not the framers of the constitution wanted this or fucking yeah. that. That, fuck that. That's a stupid fucking argument about how we decide to live our lives in the 21st fucking century, right? But even if you go back to that, they they go pixie choosy, right? It's like, ah, oh, you know, like, we're pretty much not going to pay attention to Jefferson particularly because that's ah, problematic. And we're not going to pay attention to these explanatory letters to the fucking Danbury bishops or whatever the fuck it is, where the separation of church and state is literally explicitly outlined. And we're not going to pay attention to this other text, uh, which is, you know, explanatory to the intent of the framers where they literally explain what yeah. they fucking intended. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, like it's all bullshit. 
Like, it's all bullshit. It's not a both sides thing. It's like trying to be like, well, you know, we got to look at evolution and creationism. Like, well, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you literally no, don't. You, don't. you can do the creation thing in your mythologies class. Yeah. You can do it in your religions class. You can do it at home. You can do it, but you can't do it in a science class. There's no fucking science around exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. It's, it is a false dichotomy. And it's the same thing with history too. Yeah, man. You take, yes. If you want to yep. take slavery out of here, you're right. Like, well, then you're fucking you're you're whitewashing history so so white people in the in the class yes. feel better. Yeah. And you're like, fuck you. That doesn't belong in here, yeah. man. But let, let's let's explain the entire history leading up to the Civil War. Then the Civil War itself. Then the Reconstruction era. Then the Jim Crow era. Then the Civil Rights Movement. And let's explain all of that without ever delving into fucking race relations. Yeah. What the, none of it would make any sense. But what are you talking about? Though, when you, when you went to school, you didn't, you didn't, I know I didn't hear about it as a, as a slavery issue when I was a kid. It was a little, a little tiny bit, but it was not as much as it wasn't. It, they, they talked about it as a state's rights issue when I was a kid. No, no, that was different. My, okay. so we did the civil war in seventh grade. And we watched the Ken Burns documentary, The Civil War, oh, together. Okay, good. And we watched Glory, the movie. And so it was very heavily good, like oriented. But I think that's just luck of the draw as to who you get as a teacher. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that's bullshit because history is a series of like narrative truths that we unearth from like materials, like first order materials, like original text writings, yeah. et cetera. It is not a discretionary narrative as determined by the people who want to push forward yeah. an ideology. Right, right. Again, you can't, like, states' rights, it's like, states' rights to do what? Yeah. Like, like nobody it doesn't make any sentence. sense. Nobody ever finishes right. that sentence. It's like, well, Jefferson Davis, well, what did Je Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederacy who, in his own words, said, we're doing this to keep slavery. Yeah. That's the guy who was the president of the fucking Confederacy. And yeah. he's like, yeah, this is about slavery. I'm literally writing it down right, right. now. Yeah. Like that's, I'm yeah. not making that up. Like yeah. he literally was like, guys, this, this is about slavery. Like I don't, let's not, just so that nobody in history ever gets confused. And then they're just like, well, it's really about statues. Uh, it's about, it's mostly about it's loving, about statues. hugging Confederate statues. That's it's, about, it's, about, it's about being proud of the South. Yeah. It's about yeah, it's being about, proud of the South. It's Southern pride, really. That's, that's what yeah. it is. It's, it's, it's Southern liking pride. orange and blue. Yeah, that's, that's I like I like stars orange, arranged stars. in a cross-like pattern. And races. I like races. <laughs> <laughs> Are my bed sheets clean, honey? I gotta... I, I just want to say, though, I, I, I don't know what DeSantis... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how deep his hooks are in that state. I don't know what his future looks like. But man, he's one of those people I'm rooting against. Oh my I god! Oh my 100% god! Hundred yeah. percent want it. Oh. I can't wait till he loses. They're talking about oh him maybe god, running for president. I know he's scary and as he's fuck. He's a scary president. He's yep. a scary president. I have my my barber and I. I love my barber's a great guy. I've talked about him on the show before. I actually love my barber. He's a great guy. There is a, a barber that is in the other chair. And I was waiting for my guy. I was a little early the other day. I was waiting for my guy. And so I'm bullshitting with her as she's waiting for her client. And she's talking about like, you know, oh yeah, you know, I'm moving to Florida, this and that. We're talking about the weather, some innocuous bullshit. She brings up that she's going to move to Florida. And I was like, oh, why are you moving to Florida? Oh, my husband is a cop and, you know, he wants to move to Florida. Uh, you know, he wants to get out of here because it's a red state. And I just was like, well, good riddance to you both. And I was just like, I can't even hold it back. Like, I was just like, good riddance to you both. And it killed the conversation like that. I was just like, fucking move. Take your fucking cop husband and fucking move to Florida so that you can live in a fucking red state. Fucking bury all you stupid assholes in the garbage, sweltering, dirty wang of this country. <laughs> 
Who cares? But DeSantis scares me. Yeah. Like, he scares me because he's, like, fucking weirdly popular among a group of people whose minds I literally cannot understand. I can't parse it. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. So, Tom, we would normally read our patrons now. We would. Why aren't we doing that, Cecil? uh, it turns out that we jumped the gun by 12 minutes. 12 minutes. And Ian uh, did not do it this week. So, if you are a patron, if you're a patron, here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. If you're a new patron, I want you to send a message to Ian at ian at dissonancepod.com. And, in fact, if you're not a patron, if you're just, or if you're a patron and you're not a new patron. If you've ever thought about being a patron. Thought about it. Just send Ian a message and be like, Ian, you fucked up. All I want you to say, that's all it says. Ian, you fucked up. Um, the tagline, you know, make it something interesting. Make the subject something interesting so he'll open it. Yeah. But then just whatever. So you could be like porn or, you know, whatever you want to say. It's all good. Whatever, it's all good. He, whatever you think Ian's going to open, right? If you want to, like you know somebody I would fucking say on a one subject wheel. Subject one wheel. That's what there I would you go. just put subject one and then wheel. Then he'll open it. He'll then open he'll it. open it. And so, so send that to him and let him know that he fucked, he fucking dropped the ball. Yeah. Ian, Ian is like a fucking, he, is there an opposite of a Harlem Globetrotter? Because yeah. he drops the fucking ball yeah. like it's his goddamn job. Exactly. Like, Ian, you have several jobs, but this is one this of them. Is, <laughs> this is one of them. You do have several I, jobs. The thing is, Ian, we love you, buddy. We do. But we record the same day and time for 367 <laughs> weeks. We're fairly easy to figure out. You, you know figure, what I mean? You know, our like, schedule, we're like regular. We're what, like what? right after coffee shits. I'm just, you yes, know what I mean? Right, like that, we're right. that regular. We are... Wow, regular. Yeah. Like, if your wife's period was this regular, you'd fucking throw a party. <laughs> this is how fucking regular we are. <laughs> you serious? So in any case, we do not have the patrons. We're the we'll patrons. We'll read them next week. We, we love you, though. We love hey, you. patrons. Yeah, we, we love, love you. you. And actually, I'll, I'll add this, too. If you are not a patron, we promise we'll read your name next week. If yeah. you become a patron, and, we will re- I'll read your name twice. And patrons, I just want to let you know, we have scheduled our... Book club, book club reading yes. for later in the month. We already have it scheduled, so it will happen. It will release yeah. this month. So you want to get in on this. If you want to be involved in the book club, we're reading Rise of the Warrior Cup. We're going to read the first seven chapters to start out. I will be posting something about it beforehand so you can interact with us and we can look at your comments and talk about things. So please jump on patreon.com. If you're interested in that book club segment, it's going to be only available to patrons. So jump on patreon.com. Uh, slash dissonance pod. You can, become, you can become a patron on a per episode basis. Any level, any level, any you level. guys get Rise of the Warrior Cup. Here's what I want us to talk about, Tom. The first uh, message we got was late today by a guy named Ryan. And Ryan sent a message. Uh, Ryan, um, the most important thing is his AOL account. Ryan, just want to say you're, sent you're a message from messaging the past. from the past. He sent a message right. from 2001. Um, <laughs> and he said, You are a pack of Democratic Party ass lickers. Why prohibit comments on a post you made? You guys are a pack of pussies. I could think of a lot worse things to be called. I got to be honest. I got to be honest. I can think of a lot worse things to be called, Ryan. We are not, Ryan, in the business of denigrating ass licking on this podcast. absolutely. Like, you want to eat some ass? Eat some ass. We're also not in the business of denigrating packs of pussies. Right. So, I don't know what, I don't know who you're trying to This is all things I like. Literally, none of the things you said insult me. So, I just want to let you know. Also, yeah, it's hilarious that you have an AOL I hey, feel hello. like I feel like I'm gonna pick my phone up and be like, "Hello, I don't <laughs> like your Facebook page." Hello, 
I'm going to message you oh. from my Friendster account. Get hey, man, here. I hope you didn't waste your fucking CD minutes and or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Sending yeah, that yeah, message. One of your minutes. Here's what I want to say to all the people who want to post on our page and can't. And if you made it to this far in the podcast, congratulations. But if you want to post on our page and we're not letting you, here's why. You don't deserve our platform. We made a platform. We get to decide who gets to use it. You don't get to use our platform to po publish your dumb, shitty ideas. The turn it, it turns out Facebook literally will let you have a platform. Just make your own page, Ryan, and then say all your dumb shit that you want to say there. Yeah. Nobody's stopping you, man. Man, it's not my fault, Ryan, that nobody's listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, man? If you were a big fucking deal with a bunch of big fucking ideas, I'd be begging to use your fucking platform <laughs> and sending you a shitty email about how tiny my dick is. <laughs> <laughs> Got a message. This is from Steve. And Steve said in an image for a, uh, this is a great place to go. And we're going to post it on this week's show notes. So thank you, Steve. Cecil, one of these days, when the world is a little better, yeah, yeah. we need to do, do. Uh, seriously, we need to take a glory hole uh, America road trip. Here's what we need to do. Right? We need to make sure that that glory hole donuts is still in in, in Toronto. Yes. And then we just need to like we go need to, to hit Toronto the glory holes. And just hit the glory hole. We and need to start there and go somewhere else. We could and, we could yeah. rent a fucking RV oh, it'd be so much and we fun. could drive around so glory hole to glory, glory hole. hole. A tour glory of America's hole. glory holes. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, yes. we got a we got a great message from Amanda. I love the title of this. Lightning strokes twice. <laughs> and okay. then and then we're talking about the guy who uh who double shot his latte last week at uh, <laughs> at, uh, at Starbucks. Uh, and you know, this is, this is great. It says, um, the same thing happened. This person would, uh, eat lunch outside and some guy pulled up in the bus zone, stroking at about one o'clock on a major street in San Francisco, then drove away a couple weeks later, same place, same time, same guy does it again. This person looks up and says, Oh no. And he says, Oh yeah. <laughs> this time they got their license Good. plate number. Good. The cops come and try to ID this person. They don't know what the final outcome is. They said, I subconsciously. They think the probably guy wanted to be caught. He did it twice. It was simple to get the license plate. So maybe this pastor wanted to get caught because he had a compulsive yeah. behavior or he gets off on the danger or they're very, very stupid. So last week we did a, a fundraiser. We wanted to mention um, the fundraiser uh, was for three different charities. You can go to oafund.org. You can find out all about it. It was $160,000 that we raised over damn, a couple of hours. We want to thank everybody for being involved. I also want to mention too, last week we got a couple of comments about uh, about our conversation last week, Tom, when we had a conversation about um, voting and how important that is and how, how, how it has done so well for the other side. Right. And how we sort of neglected and, 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 and kick our, and, you know, kick the sand and get mad. And, and a lot of people seem to think that, you know, we shouldn't we that we shouldn't do anything to the Democrats. That we shouldn't do anything about the Democrats. And you had mentioned last week an analogy where you said, you know, imagine if we're a house. There's a house behind us, and we have a security guard, and that's the Democrats. But the Republicans come in and they burglarize the house. We should blame the Republicans for burglarizing the house. Right. It's not it's not the 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 Democrats' fault that someone burglarized the house. They let us down, but it's not their fault. And I want to add on to that analogy by saying it's okay to fire some of the security. Yes. Guys. It's okay to do yeah. that. I don't think you you understood that we're saying like 
those people let us down and it's okay to fire some of those people. It's okay to let those people go and get new people in there. Mansion and cinema, if they're not willing to blow up the filibuster, they should be fucking let go. You know, anybody else who's not, who's not towing the line of women's rights at this point, get fucking Fuck rid em. of them. If anybody out there is getting, uh, you know, pushed forward as a house member who happens to be anti-women's rights or whatever, fuck them in the ear, get rid of them. Yeah. They shouldn't be part of this part of this group, and we need to get rid of them. We need to ostracize them and, and remove them. They are not good security guards. Yes, absolutely. And the time to do that is in the primary. Yes, right. We have a we have a system that works in two ways in order to do this work. Right. So the first is when we interview all the potential security guards to try to pick the best security guards. And then that's the and that's the primary, right? And so we say, okay, we want the biggest, strongest meanest security guards possible to guard our house. That's the primary. That's when we pick our, you know, how, and that's how you pick how left yeah. or center or right somebody is, right? That's the primary. When it comes time for the general, you vote on whether yeah. or not you're going to have a security guard in charge or a robber in or, charge. Yeah, or a robber. Who's Those are the fucking choices. Open the door and let everybody in and let, and let right. your rights run out. So yeah, it, we just wanted to, I wanted to clarify that because people don't seem to understand that like Tom and I are also critical that the Democrats didn't do anything Fuck to yeah, stop man. This. We're very critical, but we also very much want to point out that the Republicans are the ones who are driving this yes. damage. And you got to pay attention to that. And the way they did it was through minority vote. So we need to get out there and vote. I know people don't like this. They think we're liberals or I, I guess it's a bad word. I don't know. I don't even know at this point. I don't know anymore. And I don't, and I don't care. care. Like fucking vote. Want to thank David McAfee for coming on. Um, we're going to put a link in the description for this video down there. Uh, the link will lead you to Amazon, his books, but then also to his Twitter account and his Facebook. Uh, so check him out uh, and check out his books. Uh, he's got a, a ton of books, both children's and adult books. So take a look. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptics Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information, and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. 
produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.